1: Iconic Marvel superheroes and supervillains from different eras and realities converge in a cosmic battle across the Marvel Universe in LEGO Marvel Super Heroes 2. uh, This all-new epic adventure is is packed with signature LEGO humor and introduces new features and an incredibly large open world for players to roam and explore. LEGO Marvel Super Heroes 2 is available on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC. And head to the 1500 ESPN Stream Player now for details on how to win your very own PS4 copy.
2: Thank you, Jonathan. In for Dave Harrigan today. Mackie and Joe, we are live on a Black Friday. The Vikings are on fire. Case Keenum continues his career stretch of play here. He's now 7-2 as the starter, and he is completing 66% of his passes, which is up 6% from his career norm. He's on pace for, let's see here, uh, 250 yards a game, to so do the math on that, he's going to flirt with 4,000 yards this season, even though he missed a game in there. 14 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, and a very, very respectable 96.2 passer rating. And he's up there in the top three in total QBR. The three guys that come to mind, if if this is who Case Keenum is, and that debate will rage on into the offseason, how much do you trust him long term, and, and all of that. But the guys who made it from undrafted quarterbacks, so not like Tom Brady who was draftable Mm -hmm. or Russell Wilson who was third-round draftable, but the guys who weren't draftable Mm -hmm. in the last 20 years or so that made it to prominence, and I'm probably missing a couple guys in here, but Kurt Warner, Mm -hmm. Tony Romo, and Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia didn't actually play in an NFL game until he was 29 years old with the San Francisco 49ers.
3: So that's a pretty good parallel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, but Case Keenum has played in games when he was 24, 25 and had some more buildup there. But Jeff Garcia was a breakout star for the 49ers at age 30, made three consecutive Pro Bowls, 4,000-yard passer, 30 touchdown passes in back-to-back years, and he wound up playing about a decade and became just a very, very reliable, rock-solid quarterback.
3: I think there's a, a, a safe middle place to be here, which is this. Case Keenum's played fantastic. He's been put into a system that works well. He's been given he's been given an old line that was atrocious a year ago and has come around and played really really well. I think the safe landing spot right now is ride it out. Enjoy it as far as, as it takes you. Understand that while he's played well, he's also been given a, a lot of advantages here, a coordinator who's fantastic, receivers who are very good. And then as far as, as who he might compare to or or what the future might hold, just wait and see. I The next, the coming weeks will tell you a lot.
2: Well, you know, Kurt Warner, this is going to sound crazy because Kurt Warner is a Hall of Famer. But when, when you took away Kurt Warner's infrastructure, all right, we're going to take away Hall of Fame coach, Dick Vermeil. We're going to take away Hall of Fame receivers and a Hall of Fame running back. Now, what do you look like? Unplayably bad. The Giants, right? Uh, his his last of the Giants? his last two years with the St. Louis Rams, he was benched for Mark Bulger. When you took away, all right, now Mike Martz is your coach, <laughs> and now some of these other guys are going to be retiring, and Marshall Falk is going to give way to you know to age. He went from M- Hall of Fame caliber MVP Super Bowls to benched. So that that goes to show you what infrastructure can do to prop somebody up. It's enormous. Now that doesn't mean that he doesn't de- deserve credit for taking full advantage of circumstances. But then you then you brought up the Giants. He spent a year in New York, was a disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first couple years in Arizona were not very good. But then, oh, Larry Fitzgerald I was say, fits, is, is comes, exactly. Oh, and Quan Bolden is here now. Yep. Oh, okay, interesting. Now all of a sudden we're back to Super Bowl and and Pro Bowls and things like that. Six five one six four six eight two five five. 877-615-1500. Vikings Vent Lines open until we're off at 1 o'clock. If you missed it yesterday, you can find Vikings Vent Line on demand on 15 com And iTunes, we're live on a Black Friday. What's up, Randall and Stillwater?
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, so let's talk infrastructure and coaching lineage, for example. I think it's a guarantee Shermer's done. He's going to be a top three candidate for head coaching next year. Yep. Garcia had, did he have Bill Walsh and his system? If if it was Seifert, it was still Bill Walsh's system. When he went out of that system. That's true.
2: I think it was, uh, I think it might've been Steve Mariucci, actually, because it was 1999. Uh, it was, it was, it was the Steve, Ma- and Steve Mariucci was a, a decent head coach, but he wasn't Bill Walsh or even, even Seifert. So it was, or, it was Steve Mariucci.
1: Or he inherited the system. And the same with Warner, as you just mentioned. Now with the Vikings, and to keep Case Keenum, the man going forward, and you're going to lose Shermer, how about the current offensive coaches to replace Shermer uh, that will keep the system in place and therefore allow Keenum to succeed, such as the quarterback's coach, the offensive line coach, and so on. What do you think of that?
3: I don't know that there's some someone you would want. Uh, Stefanski, who's the quarterbacks coach, coach now. now, has been a bunch of different things, but but never near a coordinator. Tony Sperano's your old line coach, and they played great this year. But uh, I still contend the Tony is why we occasionally see the Wildcat. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know that there's a member of this offensive coaching staff who I, I would immediately uh, would immediately come to mind to elevate yeah. if Schirmer goes somewhere.
2: Well, something else in common with the, the guys we're, we're taking because Case Keenum undrafted. He was a star in college, but uh, just based on what scouts saw, he was he wasn't draftable. He was undrafted as a quarterback coming out of Houston. Who are some of the other guys that were un, went from undrafted to star franchise quarterbacks? That it was for real when you saw that guy figuring it out and and for sure with Kurt Warner and Jeff Garcia that was uh that was early Terrell Owens who was one of the best receivers in the NFL and it was still like viable Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice was he was 37 but Jerry White Rice was still like a 1000-yard receiver. Uh so when you have when you have Jerry Rice catching 75 passes for 800 yards and seven touchdowns and Terrell Owens for 1,400 yards, mm-hmm. you get that's the best wide receiver tandem maybe in the NFL at that time still with, with Jerry Rice aging. yep. To have that infrastructure to prop you up helps a lot. And Kurt Warner, my God, the guy had Hall of Famers everywhere and a Hall of Fame coach and all those things. Um, it would hurt to lose Pat Shermer for sure, I think, if you're talking about a first-round talent, which is what Bridgewater is, you hope that he can evolve into the type of guy that could maybe raise up the other well, ships. And don't forget, he needs the other ships to be to be already up.
3: And don't forget, in 2018, now you're going to be bringing back that line. Dalvin Cook comes back. Thielen and Diggs are signed. Who whoever has has the quarterback job. Next year is going to be uh, provided an infrastructure that remains pretty good for sure. I, I mean I'm not sure that that all these guys have the same year again But when you talk about getting Dalvin cook back you're bringing back a pretty pretty good off- offense around whoever the quarterback is
2: I say, You know Tony Romo undrafted Tony Romo probably did the most with the least and and he started he began starting at what age? He was still 26. A... Okay. Yep. Yeah in 2006 okay. it was Joe and Rogers, you're on with Mackie and Judd live on a Black Friday.
1: Hey, boys. you got to think of the moment. And Case Keenum is playing great. You can't worry about, well, what's going to happen here and what's going to happen there? Because nobody knows, right? Right now, they are just rolling. And you got to just stick with it and go with it. And it's like I don't care what Teddy did, whatever. you got to stick with this dude. He actually looks, I thought he looked phenomenal. He's just and every week he gets better. It seems like he just like the teams really surrounding him and really digging him and all this. And you got to just keep it rolling. It's just amazing to me how good they're doing.
2: Yeah, but he's been the
1: it. big test is the next two weeks. Yes, so this defense—they got okay. They made Goth look horrible, but he's a rookie. Well, Matt Ryan ain't no rookie, so that's what I'm really excited. These next two weeks, if they go two and zero, start buying your Super Bowl tickets, boys. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> stop it. The Joe, there.
3: Joe, Joe, truck. Joe. Get in the- Joe, take a deep Joe, breath. Joe. Take a deep breath and just calm down a little bit. Not a lot, hey, just a little thing. bit.
1: Hey, I thought it's Positive
2: Friday. Oh, it's Black
3: Friday. <laughs> well, that's fine, Joe. I <laughs> I appreciate the enthusiasm. Thanks for calling, Joe. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. Uh, to his point, he is right. If you are Zimmer, the coaching staff, for players, you don't care right now. The only the only thing where this conversation about eighteen becomes intriguing is Spielman and. If you're upstairs there, you at least have to be thinking about this. But if you're the coaching staff or players, you you don't care right now. Yeah, I mean,
2: I think I do think it was a viable discussion. Which one of these guys, even though Bridgewater hasn't played in almost two calendar years, as you as you forecast ahead down the road, which one of these guys gives you the higher ceiling to cash in? That was a viable conversation. There's not enough runway left for, for Bridgewater to take off now. There's, there's not enough games left. The runway's too short. Even if you think he has the higher ceiling, yes. he can't. I would be shocked if a guy who hasn't played in two years coming off that injury has enough time in one month to get back to that level of play Keenum, or to get to that level of play that he hasn't gotten to yet.
3: Keenum has given you back-to-back games that, that instill confidence the three games before that there were things to nitpick and and some of those things were very important the last two games you have no real viable concern
2: brian in north carolina you're on with mackey and judd
4: hey guys this is kind of
2: a silly question but i'll ask it anyway fire away um let's say
1: keenum leads the vikings to a super bowl victory right there on their home turf
4: do you think the vikings would have the cojones to let keenum go and stick with bridgewater
3: Yes, I do. I do. I, I think the most important question is how far in the playoffs do you get? And the second question about this is, and don't forget this, executives and coaches in this league um, have the confidence in themselves to have the conversation that we've had, which is Keenum's played really well and his infrastructure is really, really mm-hmm. good. So their conversations aren't, oh man, Case is just playing great and this is just a fluke and it's fantastic. Their conversation is, we put so many components around him, he succeeded, which is great. But guess what? There's no coordinate coordinator or coach who's going to say, but if we start our guy next year, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, if we bring, if we go into training camp with with Teddy, who's healthy and set to go. We actually think that we have as good of chance, or better. That's the conversations that those guys have.
2: Uh, yeah, I, just responding to a tweet here, loyal listener Gunner. I, I, maybe this is my bad. I think I think this is on Gunner here. This this talker is brutal, ripping an eight and two quarterback in Case Keenum. No one's ripping Case Keenum here, Gunner. Then ripping Kurt Warner. Sorry, Judge, shutting off your show for the first time in years. You lost me today. Terrible effort today. We Didn't rip Warner. Okay, though. Kurt. Here's what here's what the discussion is. Just to reset this. Case Keenum was undrafted and not at all highly touted and popped up out of nowhere to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league this year. Who are some other guys that did that? Has that been done before in the last 20 years? You know, Who are some of the other guys that the the blueprint might look like? And what's the makeup of the rise to stardom? Tony Romo, undrafted. Jeff Garcia, undrafted. Kurt Warner, undrafted. And oftentimes those guys come in And if they don't have the infrastructure to prop them up early on or just throughout their entire career, they don't look very good. The Vikings have the infrastructure, and Keenum's taking advantage, and he deserves full credit. And here's what people forget about Kurt Warner. He was Hall of Fame caliber with the coach, with the receivers, with the running back, Marshall Falk, with everything. And he deserves full credit, and with the the Cardinals later on, with Fitzgerald, Bolden. uh, They went to a Super Bowl. And he deserves credit for, okay, when you put the stuff around him, he helps elevate it and he, and and he's driving the car. Kurt Warner went bleeping dormant for five years in his prime. Kurt Warner was a backup or an unplayable quarterback for the better part of 2002, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact. And 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 so to, to say that Kurt Warner was not the type of quarterback that you could put with almost any collection and he's going to win... Ten games for you. Aaron Rodgers is, Tom Brady is. Yep. Peyton Manning was. You can go down the list. Now Kurt Warner still a Hall of Famer in my book, but it's it's worth pointing out. Like if you weren't highly touted early on, you probably need. There's probably a reason for that. That 32 teams looked at you and said not draftable in the seven rounds we're picking. Yeah. And thus you need some help. Like it's a fact. Sorry Gunner's not listening anymore, but you know.
3: I understand that people are are have fatigue too on on this topic but here's the thing about it too. And I I've, I've been saying this for weeks. This is not us. This is not created by us. This is created by a really intriguing situation that's played out. This is up until the Rams game. There was a legitimate reason not to replace Keenum, but to ask at least the question. I feel I feel like the way we, we operate now is if you even ask a question you're wrong. That's that's wrong. Dude, it's... That's not how things work. Internally at Winter Park, I can guarantee you there were conversations about what do we do. The Vikings, more than anybody, want to win a Super Bowl, right? Those conversations, therefore, involve saying, how do we get there? And by the way, the most important thing to come back to in all these conversations is they're built around their defense. They need their offense to prop them up at times. They don't need it to carry them. But I, fe- I feel like there's a, a feeling among a faction of fans that this is created by the media, that this is, no, this is a real conversation. It's interesting. It's intriguing. And by the way, it involves the most important position in sports.
2: We'll get to a Harry in Connecticut and other calls when we come back here. It's Mackie and Judd live on a Black Friday, 651-646-8255. That's Stop the flower. There is
1: pressure on TV. And Kyle Rudolph has
2: got his second of the game. Kyle Rudolph with a couple touchdowns yesterday. And, you know, he's he's blended in a lot more. He had a, a breakout season last year. But with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen on the field, there's just not as many targets to go around for the Kyle Rudolphs of the world.
3: He is, though, as uh, I, I think Kyler wrote this a couple days ago. Rudolph is the perfect example of how well uh, the offense has been run this year. Yes. Because his stats aren't nearly as good. So if you were to eye test the stats, if you just put the stats, you're like, well, yeah, he's dropped off, right? But if you watch this team on a weekly basis, you say he is far more of a contributor. And furthermore, you also say his use this year has been far wiser. You're not trying to force passes to him. You're not making him something he's not. You are using him in a smart, very calculated way. And he's been effective. Just because the stats aren't the same doesn't mean he's not actually better.
2: Yeah, a couple things on that. One of the most basic and simple things the Vikings have done offensively, Case Keenum deserves credit for this, and Pat Shermer for scheming. One of the most basic and simple strategies that they've implemented, just target your most explosive and best offensive players. So early on, it, the, the two guys who touched the ball the most were Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. Those are the two most explosive, best offensive players, and Diggs in that collection, too. So get them the ball the most. And as you look right now, on a per-game basis, because Stefan Diggs missed a couple games in there, but so Rudolph has more targets overall by just a handful. But on a per-game basis, the guys who touched the ball the most in the passing game are Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. And it shouldn't seem like that foreign of a concept. Like, well, that's obvious, Mackie. But last year, the guys who touched the ball the most were Kyle Rudolph or were targeted the most. Kyle Rudolph... And Matt Asiata. Yes. So just get the ball to the guys who are the the best playmakers and let them but, go out and do their thing.
3: But it goes back to it goes back to can you adapt and adjust or or is this your system? Because if this is your system, then you say, "Damn it, this is what we do, and this is what I think we should do well, and therefore I'm not changing mm-hmm. it." And and it is it. Boggles my mind, in football especially, how many coaches operate on the philosophy of this is what I do. Well, okay, but you could change it. Zimmer is, if you look at, at what he does defensively, guess what? What makes him so effective is he changes things. He doesn't just say, these are, these are the Mike Zimmer principles and this is what we do. He changes things all the time. That's what makes
2: it effective. Uh, worth pointing out. Larry Fitzgerald and Antonio Brown have a game in hand each, and so does Jarvis Landry. But as of right now, because the Vikings played yesterday, Adam Thielen is tied for the league lead in receptions with 70. He's also second in the NFL in yardage as a receiver with 1,005 yards. Uh, only the three touchdowns. I, I'm guessing he'll get like some sort of a touchdown barrage that's, against those bad opponents late in the year. That's fine. Uh, but if his season ended today with uh-huh. five games left, uh-huh. you would say... Yep, we'll take that. Seventy catches for a thousand yards and a small handful of touchdowns. Harry in Connecticut, you're on the Mackie and Judd Black Friday special.
4: Hey guys, happy Black Friday. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope uh, it was uh nice and filling for everybody over there. Um same this deal. this game yesterday. I mean, I'm sitting there watching it as an early game and I got uh my my newborn daughter with me and we're sitting there watching the game Peter Ball. I'm sitting there like you know, that first half, I was like, this is amazing. I was like, my daughter's like the best fuck ever, like watching a Vikings game now. So now every time I watch the game, I have it with me, like on the couches hanging out. But then the second half here, I'm like, wait, hold on, what's going on here? But then you start seeing like, and again, it is the Detroit Lions, and they have this sort of, I don't want to say it's a trait, but it is. I mean, they are the cardiac kiddies. They do find a way to always sort of make you get a little, like, worried in a game. You can't complain against them either, especially with Stafford. But Keenum, and look, I've been on the record numerous times calling you guys and saying that that Keenum still, you know, that I still have question marks about his play. But after yesterday's performance, there's really not much left I need to see to sort of convert me into his camp completely and say that you can't really pull him at any point now. But I know that, that, that the conversation you guys are having in regards to is it even uh, like okay to ask the question about Teddy? I think it's a question to ask, but it's not one that is uh, like going to make or break your season. Like They have sort of this perfect storm in a sense that even if Keenum does screw up or he has a couple bad games, I mean, they've already locked the division for the most part. But it'd be really tough for them to fumble this away, so to speak. Um, but at the same time, you wonder if, in Zimmer's mind, I mean, he really – I mean, there really is no reason for him to come out and say that he's a starter for the rest of the season. He's playing it uh, uh, sort of game to game. I understand the mentality, but he's also not trying to upset the locker room either. And just watching the post game with Keenum, the way he goes around and says thanks to everybody, and he's, he, he's like slapping high fives and going up to all the guys, all the coaches, all the equipment staff, everyone, and just like congratulating. You know, he's endearing himself to the team, to the fans, and it's hard not to root for the guy um and just like seeing some of his like movement in the pocket yesterday like some of the sacks that he dodged and it was just an incredible performance um and i mean outside of that you yeah, of the plate calling and then some of the reps i mean like some of those calls on the penalties were were uh <laughs> sort of sort of hard to stomach man especially that uh the uh uh, with the Thompson call they hit him with, which I didn't understand what happened there. Harry, I thought it was
2: uh, very immature of him to to flick that football in the random <laughs> direction of a Lions player. Crawling across uh, the turf. I think, I think that's poor leadership by Case Keenum in that situation. Crawling right across the turf.
4: <laughs> and at that point, you know, like, I, I wasn't upset with him getting kind of frustrated. You know, like, they sure. had a couple of 3 nows so They were punting the ball. Um, you know, so, I mean, for the most part, the play calling was solid. There were a couple of cases, though, where I and you know some of the plays are like they got away from the run after they came out the, uh, like on that first drive of the second half and they scored immediately and then they just sort of got away from running the power run, um, but I, it, 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 it sort of worked out. Um, the last point I want to make is what's going on with the holder situation with uh, the punter and Forbath? because they kept focusing on that replay yep. where that. Kid, I mean, look, I mean, I know, like, you have to think about the whole, like, Ray Finkel thing, Ace Venturi laces out, but <laughs> for a kicker, when he's, like, starting his wonder, like, what can he really do? Like, like, do you want him to stop and pick up the ball and try to throw a touchdown pass yeah. and try to improv? You know, the moral,
2: the moral of this story is, Harry in Connecticut, and thank you for your Black Friday phone call here. Is uh, the the one thing we're the most anxious about after yesterday's win and the season this far is the holder. The holder is the thing that, and it's the rightfully and the so. Make us both, yeah. Nervous. But that's uh, that's a good sign for the Gophers. Uh, for the we're watching the Gophers for the Vikings
3: on the starter thing. All right, let's make this very clear because I feel like in the past few weeks there's been, been this whole thing of why does he name? Why doesn't Zimmer name Case the guy? I want Zimmer to name the only reason you do that the only need for it would be is if this entire thing was dividing the locker room if the players were like well who's our starter and if some players really liked case and some liked teddy and they and and there was friction that's why if you're the coach you go to a podium and say listen you, you tell us but you're essentially telling your players i'm invested in case there's not a problem here right. which is a good thing but the there's no the media and fans Mike Zimmer doesn't give a damn if we believe that case is his guy or not, as long as it's not causing friction in the locker room. And there has been no evidence throughout this entire thing that there's ever been friction or problem. 651-646-8255.
2: Yeah. Uh, six, six, five, five. Is it Don in Ohio? Is that who this is? D. Oh, D in Ohio. D.
5: Hi, yeah. D. You're talking to a lady.
2: <laughs> great. We have a Don in Ohio, and I just assumed I saw D in Ohio and I wasn't sure. But uh, welcome to the show, D in Ohio.
5: Hello thank you. I'm a Minnesota native, so I'm just far from home. But I, as I was watching the game yesterday. All of a sudden, and I'm a lot older than you guys, you don't, you won't believe this looks like Bud Grant's team all over again. It, it looks like Fran Tarkington. <laughs> it, 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 Paul Krause looks it. It's Harrison. Well, it D, looks if looks just it, like Paul
2: Kraus. Well, D, if this is indeed Bud Grant's team, it's going to be an extra large buzzkill when they lose the Super Bowl at home in February. i got to say. How? <laughs> What? She wasn't I, going well, there. I'm, I'm sorry. It's true.
3: It's true. That, that's okay, D. <laughs> I like your point.
5: You know, I mean, really, it, it's just unbelievable how much case looks like for Tarkington. Has anyone asked Bud? What do you think about the team?
2: Sid can. That's a great question for Sid. It is. I think, well, this is, what I'll say is, and I wasn't alive for the uh, Purple People Leader defenses, but D, this defense, this is, yeah, this is the best defense of my lifetime, watching the Vikings, and I was born in the 80s, so...
5: You have no idea. I'm 75. You have no idea how great the Purple People Leaders were, and this team reminds me of them. Mm -hmm. I, I must tell you, and it... and. Uh, Case looks like Fran Tarkington. when he starts ducking and running around. It just makes me laugh because I can see it. So I would love to get Bud's reaction on this whole thing and see what he thinks about it. Even, even Zimmer standing on the sideline with his arms crossed reminds me of Bud.
2: He does yeah. a little bit. Well, Dee, thank you for your phone call and your perspective. And we wish you a happy Black Friday.
3: You thank you. Thanks,
2: Dee. All right, bye bye. Dee in Ohio.
3: She's right. Keenum, she's exactly right. Keenum, Keenum and Tarkington share the same ability to sense pressure and to move. And I'm telling you, it's funny because you you watch it now and, and you're like, well, of course he scrambled. Of course he did this. Mm-hmm. Go watch games. Go watch guys who struggle with that because they do. Kirk Cousins last night, I'm watching that game and he has no sense of the pressure until it's way too late. He has zero sense. And when you see Keenum's ability, and it's not like he's going crazy out there, but his ability to to move the pocket slightly at times is looks super simple. And I bet you, or not, I bet you, I know it's not.
2: Well, I and one thing I I really enjoyed watching Sam Bradford at the beginning of last year and Sam Bradford Week One. I mean, when when Sam Bradford has his perfect conditions which is also the indictment on him, that he needs perfect conditions all the time and pristine pocket and physically feeling fine or he's just a disaster. Uh, but so as much as I enjoyed watching Bradford operate within this infrastructure, if a defender broke free and was coming through and there was no Jarek McKinnon or Dalvin Cook to pick up the blitzer, he would do the old Peyton Manning. Like, he'd just fall to the ground. That yeah, was over. Case Keenum will stand in there and deliver a throw, and at some point maybe he throws a fluttering interception. But yeah. he'll take those shots to the ribs. He'll dive to the right and and stay on his feet, avoid the defender coming in. So there's a couple of plays yesterday where I thought, "Ooh, Sam Bradford takes that sack." Case Keenum there was one avoids early, right? It. Yeah, for sure.
3: Where he was, he he looked completely dead. The guy missed him, and, and I think he
2: completed the pass. Yep. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Let's do a Black Friday special rankum. When we come back here, a Vikings-related rank of Mackie and Judd. Uh, quick update here. The Gophers are playing on a random Facebook channel against UMass. We found it, and they're destroying UMass in the first half. They're up 35-19, to 19. and th- this is literally in some it's like rec a center gym or something.
3: In, uh, in Brooklyn or Jersey? There's is that right? Because they're going to Barclays yeah. Center, I think, for tomorrow's game, so this is somewhere in, around Brooklyn.
2: There's like 50 people in the crowd, and one of them is Rick Patino. <laughs> yeah, Patino is in the crowd. His with, first appearance, with a Gopher right? hooded sweatshirt. I think it is. I don't
3: think he's appeared at a gopher game until now. Yeah, so they're they're very. How they're rolling is it with all my cable channels, with all the sports channels I pay for? How is it that a Big Ten team ends up on Facebook?
2: It's it, it, it's UMass. I mean, UMass is yeah. isn't that an Atlantic Ten school? Yes, it's not. A, it's not a bad game. UMass has been to a Final Four in the last twenty years. I think we can get them. Can we not be on ESPN yeah. News or something? I don't know. Or Fox Sports. I don't know. Big Ten Network. Can we get them on something? Yeah. I'm with you on that. But we found it on Facebook, and I'm sure you can probably stream this on a connected TV. In fact, you can probably stream it on a TCL TV. We are in the TCL broadcast studios. All right. Impromptu. It's not exactly the old AT-40. The countdown rules on. But it's definitely a countdown worth paying attention to.
0: How do I get ranked?
2: Now, Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Okay, well, uh, you go first here, and, and however many you want to rank, the Vikings touchdown celebrations so far in 2017. All right, I'm going to give you
3: uh, four, so start go. with number four.
2: Number four.
3: Adam Thielen's uh, soccer attempt kick in London, which I thought was was cute, appropriate, but it was just him or his, I, 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 I should say his post-touchdown celebration that was like soccer. That's number four. One,
2: two. Number three.
3: I've been giving this a lot of thought, way too much thought. I'm going to go leapfrog number three. The leapfrog, which was creative, I sort of liked it, but... Number two. I'm going Turkey Feast for number two. Yesterday's Feast, where I wondered for a second, what are they doing? And Keenum was rushing because because the key to these sellies is to make them very quick because you do not want, want to uh, make your coach irate with a delay of game. So they did a very good job. Case scored, and he's like, come on, come on, come on. Got them all
2: together. <laughs> well, then Diggs forgot the turkey. And
3: then Diggs forgot the turkey, but then he went and got the turkey, and so that is number two because...
5: Number one.
3: Duck, Duck, Gray Duck has to be. Just because it was the first, and it was funny, and at first you're like, really? And then you're like, I get it. So, I, I'm going with uh, Duck Duck Gray Duck as one because of, of the fact that it sort of started this thing. So that's my one. Turkey's number
2: two. See, okay, you and I are uh, we differ on this one. All right, <laughs> my, my celebration <laughs> number rankings
3: number four.
2: Number four is Leapfrog. I don't know. Leapfrog. It's fine. It's whatever. It's it's number four on yeah, the. Yeah, I'm list. not in love with it. Number three. I'm putting duck duck Greg Duck or Duck Duck Goose number three here. I feel like it could have been awesome, but they didn't complete the duck duck. So once once Joe Berger was selected as the chaser, they just stopped. Like they didn't, they didn't go through with it. And then Stefan Diggs got up too early. They kind of botched the ending of it. So I'm gonna punish them and put it third on the list. If they had if if Berger had chased Rudolph around the entire circle, for, a, for at least a full rotation, then I would have ranked it higher. I give him cr- credit for thought. Execution, not great. Thought, though, I okay. liked. All right. <laughs> Number two. Number two, and Jonathan will appreciate this. The Adam Thielen soccer celebration, mm-hmm. it was timely. It was it was a cultural reference to the, the area of the world that they were in. They were in the London area. And he, he was very deliberate and very... Uh, he did a great job expressing exactly what the celebration was. He did the old, like, cliche, double fish pumps. You didn't wonder what he was doing. It was, that's a soccer celebration. Now, if he could have pulled the jersey over the front of his head or something, or just taken the jersey and the shoulder pads he prob- off altogether. Probably could together. have taken the whole thing off yeah. if he wanted to.
5: Number one. And number
2: one, I'm going to go Thanksgiving celebration. Because, again, the timely nature of it. Yep. You knew exactly what they were doing. Yep. And then for Stefan Diggs to recover at the end there, grab the football, and then act as the turkey. Yep. And there is some symbolism there too, because you could say that Diggs is kind of the turkey of the offense where he's he's the the guy who's most likely to get a penalty or you know he's the flashiest. He's the flashiest of the offense. So yep. it worked really well. Can I say these delay of game, borderline delays of game after celebrations? Yep. NFL, you've allowed celebrations to take place. It's supposed to be an entertaining product. It's fun. Can we add 10 seconds to a post touchdown play clock? Do we have to start the 40-second play clock right away? Let's make it a 50-second play clock. Let these guys Give them go more in. time. It's like they will okay, we'll let you celebrate, but do it in five seconds or get the hell out of here. No, let them celebrate. Give them an extra 10 seconds. To that point, here's my question. What was the
3: what was Thielen's celebration against the Rams going to be that, that he aborted? Because he clearly oh. he was going to do one, and then and then you could see him thinking, okay, I can't take a penalty. And so he didn't do it. I want to know what that was. I'm yeah, very curious question. what he was going to do.
2: I guess we'll never know. But you're someone right. Who knows? Add
3: ten. I'm fine with that.
2: Add ten seconds. Have more fun. So, uh, are we missing any celebrations in there? They did. They did one other weird one. Yes. Uh, there, was, uh, someone did one in London that didn't make sense. Which one was that? Who? It was who the. Th- there was two celebrations. I can't remember what the other one was, and that's why it's not on our. The only
3: platform. team to to me that, that I've seen that's coming close to challenging them is Philadelphia w- with their baseball. Like uh, yep. celebrations. The last one I think I saw was what? Carson Wentz threw, d- did he throw the pitch and it hit the receiver and then he charged the mound?
1: That was pretty good. Steelers did hide and seek a couple weeks ago. That's pretty good. They, one of the guys hit behind the field goal post.
3: And oh, that's right. Well, you can't use field goal post though. That's 15 yards right yeah, there. True.
2: <laughs> 15 yards. True. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, Mackie and Joe, we're live on this Black Friday until 1 o'clock and live programming the rest of the day. On fifteen hundred ESPN, we are watching uh, this Gophers UMass basketball game. In case you're having a hard time finding it on the radio today, we are watching it, and uh, they are destroying UMass in some small rec center gym. And they play
3: like at a high school or something. Yeah, I gotta and, find out where this is
2: even. And Rick Pitino is in the crowd at this game, so that's definitely happening. And then they play at Barclays tomorrow. But we can keep the phone lines open, the event lines. If you weren't able to uh, listen yesterday, or if you just want to give your thoughts or opinions on where you think this Vikings team is headed, what you think about how these last two games, what they said about the quarterback, Case Keenum, or just the team in general. 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. You think you and your Hall of Fame quarterback buddy like football? Well, John Gruden and Brett Favre don't just like football. They love it. What a Throw by Matt Stafford. I call that the turkey hole. Don't ask me why but Brad Johnson taught me that a long time ago when I was coaching Tampa. He says hey coach I think I can fit it between a corner and a safety look at that the turkey well, Why know.
4: you don't know you call the turkey Brad hole, Johnson but, you called know it,
2: but let me show you what the turkey hole is. It's the turkey hole It's the area when the corner rolls up. There's a hole between the safety and the corner It's not an easy throw. You got to be able to rifle it in there Sean and I had a quarterback here in Green Bay who was able to do that at a high level. But now far. I'm watching, that's right, I'm watching one here, Matt Stafford, who makes a living putting the ball right there in the turkey hole. Football!
0: Football, yeah! yeah. yeah.
1: Football! Yeah. Football. Yeah. Football! Get some!
2: And this portion of Mackie and Judd
1: brought to you by Brad Tate's Hardware, proud sponsor of The Beer Show. Players are smart, they know what's at stake. You know, after the bye, we talked about we had a three game sprint. Uh, you know, we we're f- very fortunate to go three and zero in that time. Now we've got a five five game uh, uh, schedule uh, moving forward. I like this football team. They're a bunch of fighters. Um, they compete. You know, things go bad. They don't panic. They just keep. We almost panicked a couple times today, but we
2: we settled down and we got back to it. Almost panicked.
3: Okay, Zim. So Z- Zim was not pleased that his players, rightfully so, were uh, ticked off about the officiating calls. But I will say this: if you want to, if you want a small pet peeve here, this is the second consecutive game in which Zim has thrown the challenge flag unnecessarily. The Riddick fumble. Yeah, you looked at that replay once and said he hit the ground. And fumbled the ball, and then I saw I tweeted that, and I got the tweets back. Well, well, he was going to call a timeout. Okay, if you're going to call a timeout, call the timeout. I don't care at that point, but that's not reason to blow a challenge. He was like, "Let's be ready for everything that could happen. If you're going to win a Super Bowl, let's be prepared for everything that could happen down the road, including when to use our challenge flags." He
2: he was mad because a player too earlier, so he was already he he told the media after the game that he was you know prepping his players for this officiating crew and how bad they were going to be, and then. And then he disagreed with a holding call on Harrison Smith on that trick play the Lions ran. They fumbled the ball, and he was complaining with a bunch of F-bombs that were caught on TV. You can't call bleeping holding on that. Well, you can. You can call holding in any situation. You can't call pass interference if the ball's fumbled because now everyone's blocking and running around. But you can't hold somebody just because the ball's fumbled. So Zimmer was wrong on that, and he was mad. And he's mad at the officials and he decides, you're wrong. That was a fumble. You're incompetent and throws a challenge flag. Well, dude, like, no. Have somebody standing by you that holds your challenge flag for you, maybe, or like put a child safety lock on it or something so you can't grab it. This all goes back to what I told you a couple d- days
3: ago, which is I really want Zim to remain as calm as possible during games. Let's yeah, just he... take a deep breath and let's not throw the red flag. Let's not go ticy on this thing. Yeah.
2: Six five one six four six eight two five five. We've got the Vikings vent lines open all show pretty much. We're on until one o'clock today. Hanging out with you guys on this Black Friday, Randy in Cottage Grove. What's going on, Randy? Hey, Randy.
0: Yeah, hey guys. I just uh, called to gloat a little bit.
2: Yeah, you had a little big day yesterday. Uh, oh yeah,
0: we had a huge day. You know, we uh, like I said a few weeks ago, we ain't gonna lose again the rest of the way. And sure enough, here I am again calling and telling you guys that we won again. game was never in doubt, okay? And uh, we had a great day, and then the Purple won. So I'm having a great day, and I'm making it a good Friday. Uh,
2: what about your big day yesterday, though? I saw you uh, you were tweeting up a storm there. I i, I, I saw at least uh, probably 17 different adult beverages that uh, you were tweeting Got about. I'm just wondering 7, if you're okay.
0: 17? 17, or oh, go a little higher than that. I, I, oh. I can I can hold it, okay? I can hold my drinks. Okay, we had a good day. I'll just say that. I wasn't driving, okay? I'm not making, uh, making. I'm not trying to be a hero, you know, as they say, okay? But what I did is uh, I, I compromised. My wife and I, we've been married now for a while, and what we've learned is compromise. Okay, so she said, Randy, you have to go to Thanksgiving in Wisconsin and my family's. And I said, okay. Fine, and I'm gonna pregame at home, okay. And I did four bloodies, each each with a chaser and a bum, okay. And then we go to the thing. I got my own cooler, no one can touch my beer. That's a pro tip, by the way, as they say. Uh, if you guys are at a, a party, bring your own cooler and stash it somewhere. That's what I did. I watched the game on my little Sony Watchman. It's mm-hmm. still going strong. And then you know, by the time the game was over, I was in a really good mood. And the rest of the day, we just kind of played musical. Uh, Musical chairs, kind of a wheel of fortune, choose-your-own-adventure on what people were drinking. I tried a little of this, a little of that, a little red wine. We uh, mixed in some shops, and I finished out the night with uh, just some good old-fashioned wine, Google's original, you know, because we were in Wisconsin, as they do. So I had a good day. I'm going to have a really good Friday here in a moment. I'm going to meet some buddies for some cocktails, and uh, we're just going to talk about the next game and looking at the rest of the schedule and really trying to figure out where we're going to party after we win the Super Bowl. So I'm all positive today. Go bikes. I say score, and I say Zim, we're thankful for you, buddy.
3: I don't want to be a buzzkill here, but I'm a little bit concerned. You know, there are programs. Well, first of all, he was tweeting up a storm last night. He didn't spell one word right. I mean, I'm glad he didn't drive. Thank God he didn't drive. But Twitter can also be a dangerous forum on, to which you can go on really drunk, and he did. And the other thing is, is, so he said he had north of how many drinks?
2: Well, I threw the number 17 out just and as, a, north a, as a jokingly shooting high. Yeah. And he laughed at that and said, try more. What's his Twitter again? RandyVikes69? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's Randy right. Randy Vikes, yeah. sixty-nine. Yeah, okay,
3: if you go examine that, mm-hmm. you will find no word spelled correctly. Uh,
2: is it when you have a Bloody Mary with a chaser? I know what the Bloody Mary and the chaser are. Is a bump? Is that a shot? I think so. Yeah. Or is it like? No, I think it's a shot. Okay.
3: I think he's saying he. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then. North of seventeen
2: drinks. All right. It is the holiday season, I guess. Skull. It's the time to be merry. Skull baby. Uh, Mackie and Judd. On this Black Friday, we are live hanging out with you guys, and as you just heard, the phone lines are open. 651-646-8255. How much did you drink on Thursday? (laughs) 877-615-1500.